0: the first Thai Presbyterian church in Covina, down the street. So before I um, get on a message, I would have to leave right afterward because we have meetings. I have to prepare for my meeting. So, But every time I get up at a podium, I get goosebumps, you know, get nervous. Um, but, you know, this time there's no difference. It's if I start to speed up, you know why. So I came from Thailand. Um, my first language as you know wasn't English it's Thai when i came here they put me in esl class and you know what is speaking there spanish so my first my first you know, second language wasn't english it was spanish so i came to us to learn hey chino que paso So when Pastor Ernie asked me several weeks ago, you know, we often joke, I asked him if he wanted me to preach in Spanish. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> about that. You know, on- honestly, I asked him if he needs somebody to confuse his congregation. And I said, I, I can barely, you know, barely share in Thai. You know, how can I share another language, you know? This is out of my comfort zone. But today, folks, you'll hear a message in English with Thai accent, with a little Spanish mix in there. But whatever it may be, may God receive all the glory. And if I start to speed up and you can't understand me, make sure you let Pastor Ernie know. So a little bit about myself. I work for the state of California. Um, I run my own engineering business. That's how Pastor Ernie and I met back in 2008. I was doing a a soil report um, for a church in Duarte, Grace Community, Grace Fellowship Church. You may know that one. And, and, you know, he asked me if, if I know how to do structural engineering plans. And I said, yeah, you know, I'm a certified bridge engineer. So I went to this little small office it located in the New Life Assembly. Were you guys there at once? So dumb me, I asked him, so the church allow you to rent an office here? I said, are you a Christian? So I asked him that, and um, when I found out, you know, boy, I was wrong. Not only he was a believer, but he was your leader. And I asked him before he was a believer, you know. So I felt like this big at that time. I was like oh i'm sorry you know from that point on he became my you know business associate and a mentor in christ i learned a lot from pastor ernie and he has taught me a lot you know from a young man in my early 30s struggling through my mid-30s and now i you know past number four you know god has a great sense of humor um i now serve as a um Clerk of Council at the First Thai Church. Um, this is my second term. Hopefully, I get a rest next term. I'm married to my wife of 17 years. She's a deacon, and we have two kids, Jaden, who's 12, and Sienna, who's 10. I just turned 40, so you know this is my midlife crisis to to serve the Lord. So, all of them are at church today, and I also coordinate um, the FPU class, Financial Peace University. Some of you may have heard about that. Um, Pastor Ernie told me that you have class here, too. So, you know, I love to talk about, Steve Maynoa, talk about finance. You know, that, that was um, when I, um, I turned back to Christ, that was my main thing to talk about, um, about finance. But today... Um, since you have an offering already, we're not going to talk about finance. Typically, at our church, we have offering after sermon. So, if you like the sermon, you know we can have a second offering. I- I'm okay with that. Are you okay with that? So today we'll talk about struggling, something on a lighter subject. So before we, I begin, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks. For bringing us all here today. I give thanks for this opportunity to share. May every thought that come into my head, may every signal that comes to my heart, may every word that come out of my mouth come from you. Father, may you be with this congregation today as they will digest your word and you receive your spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Today's message is coming from Uh, Philippians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20. If you have your iPhone, iPad, iBook, or the Bible, I'll open it up. I'll read for you. Ephesians 6, 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the scheme of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the ruler, against the authorities, against the cosmic power or the present darkness, against the spiritual force of evil in the heavenly place. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm, stand before, therefore, having fastened the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes of your feet, having put on readiness to give gospel of peace in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flame dark of evil one. And take the helmet of salvation, the word of the Spirit, which is the word of God, Pray all the time in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert in all persevere, making supplication of all the saints. And also for me, the word may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of gospel, for which I am ambassador in change, and I may declare boldly as I ought to speak. So last week, Pastor Easy talked about, what did he talk about? Love. So today we're gonna talk about struggling in love. Now today we're gonna talk about struggling in Christianity. So my wife, Jessica asked me last week, said, what are you gonna talk about? I said, struggling in Christianity. She asked me, I thought all struggle ends when you become a Christian. I said, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think, do we struggle more or less as Christian? More. Great. Amen. Why? Why do we struggle more? Because you're aware of sins. So if you struggle more, why do you become Christ's follower? Is it easier to live to, you know, according to the world? So we're subjected to no rule and regulation. Is it easier? Right? Why do we shoot this hard life? You know the truth, amen. So just like non believers we struggle in normality of life, financial, physical, and emotional. You know, furthermore, hardship is normal to Christian life. In First Peter four one, it said, "Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial." when they come upon you to test as though something strange has happened to you. What do you struggle with? So I come up with s- few things, but not everything. So just, you know, bear with me. Number one, try to be perfect. How many people here are perfect? Raise your hand. Are, y- are you kidding me? You don't walk after Christ? (laughs) You know, at the end of the day, none of us are perfect, right? However, a lot of times we, we struggle with the desire to be perfect. We often mix the quest for righteousness with the goal for perfection. And it always ends in disaster. It's difficult to follow someone who was perfect, you know, while trying to fall into the same mold of feeling that we have to be perfect as well. But remember this. We are not made perfect by anything that we do. We're made perfect by what Jesus Christ has already did. Number two, understand the basic of Christian belief. As Christians, sometimes we struggle with the aspect of God, faith, and the theology that we don't understand. Let me ask you this. How many of you understand the theory of Christian apologetic? Oh, well, we have one. Oh, I'm in a bad place now. I don't, you know, I don't totally understand. So we don't totally understand all the basic underlying of Christian belief. No human does, except for Christ, truly understand the true, complete nature of God. But everyone tries to. When you're being questioned about anything that you don't understand, your faith got shaken, right? Number three, contradiction in the Bibles. So most Christians believe the Bible line up perfectly. Yes or no? No. Sometimes the Scripture, when you read, You know, you see Jesus was referred to as Prince of Peace. And in the Old Testament, you see God as a God of what? Wrath? Anger? Destruction? Maybe? How can God be God of peace and God of death? How about faith and deed? What does Paul advocate? Faith. When you read James, what did he advocate? Works. So do we struggle with that? We do. You know why there are explanations for these contradiction or so-called contradictions. We face, you know, sometimes in Christianity some term that we don't understand. So that can shake our faith. Next one, hypocrite. I guess we're not a hypocrite, right? We're a Christian. You are? Uh A lot of times we we know know the right thing to say and what we should do. But do we always do it? Knowing what to do and knowing and doing it are two different things. Other times people ask us for advice for a situation we know the right thing to tell them. But do we always necessarily do that in our own life? Jesus doesn't think highly of hypocrites, and some of you know the, our biggest struggle is not trying to be one. How about judgment? We try not to judge because we know it's not our job, but sometimes it's you know it's an honest battle that we when we look at somebody doing something that we don't agree with in their life and not try to judge them for it you know that's a difference between i don't judge and actually practicing it in your heart how about faith do you question your faith i'm almost certain that everyone question why they believe what they believe at some point a lot of time it can be frustrating when every Christian wants to have an unwavering faith. True? But we can struggle with it. You know, it can be very, uh, like a real challenge in our identity because the issue that we are struggling with is a very thing that defines who we are. Next one. Time for God and serving in his ministry. We give lip service to that God is the most important thing, and we love Him more than anything. But sometimes our agenda in life doesn't reflect it. It is a struggle to make times in our our busy life, you know, for the most important thing, and when we don't make it, it affects our daily life. In my own walk with Christ, I've struggled with this most of the times. You know, I've gone through ups and downs. In 2006, we, um, this is a part of the tiding too, we purchased a house in Doherty. I think I did share with this, the class before. You know, we had several cars. My wife and I were well, mostly me. Was consumed of, you know, the busyness of life. We thought we had made it. Everything was you know, with everything and anything that we ever want in life. Nice car, nice house, a little cash, and a lot of debts. God and church was a secondary to everything else. And we barely attend church because we were busy too much, making too much debt, well, I mean money. In 2010, we ended up selling most of everything. Short sold our house. And that was a turning point in our life. I remember one day in 2000, late 2009 when I knelt down in front of my bed praying to God. I said, God, you can take everything that I ever accumulated by myself, but leave me, my family, and don't leave me, God. Lead me, Father. And after that, we made God our first priority and everything else after. Our faith was only a flashlight in the darkness. In 2011, we learned about Dave Ramsey and start a life, you know, through biblical finance. 2012, God, you know, gave us a decent house in Upland. And praise God, today we don't have a mortgage. He paid for it. So may God receive all the, the glory in him alone. And yes, that was a moment of burnout. You know, working in the ministry, we don't often talk about that moment. But there was several times in my life, in my Christianity, in my walk with Christ, that I was so depressed. I was so tired. I was ready to throw in the towel on Christianity, you know. Sometimes we think because we're Christians, we shouldn't struggle like everyone else. It's simply not true. The only difference between Christianity, no Christian and non-Christian struggle is that Christian know where their helps come from. And I know where my help come from. Do you? And the last struggle that I came up with, maybe yours too, about perceptions Pastor Ernie helped me with this one when people know that you're Christians they no longer pre- you're no longer representing yourself you're representing Christ you're his ambassador i myself struggle with this my whole life you know it's um Throughout that process that we've gone through dealing with our finance, you know, we became very conscious of what we have and what we don't have. When God gave us more than what we asked for, you know, we we became very conscious of how others would view us. But get this, when we moved in a house on on August 25th, 2012, our kids start the school on the 28th. And six months before that, we were just struggling to looking for a house and we tried to time everything perfectly, but it didn't happen. God made it happen on his own timing and everything just perfect. You know, and then when we talk in the class that sometime when I walk into my garage, I feel bad. I feel bad for what I see in the garage. But Pastor Ernie, you know, he told me, he, he joked in the class, we had a, a Bible class, pastor class together, Steve and I and Leo. Pastor Ernie said, you can give me one of your cars. So I offered to trade my Volkswagen Jetta for his truck. You may you have seen his truck that he was driving lately. And he said, "No, he loved his truck." And I told him that I can't let your church members seeing you drive around in my blue sport car. It won't be nice showing up, you know, at church one Sunday morning in a blue sport car. So I can't let that happen. But he didn't take my Volkswagen Jetta for his truck. Now a lot of times, devout Christians struggle with the fact that they're being perceived as less than perfect. So we fall into this journey of trying to be perfect and we fail every time. Along this journey, we tend to fall into this battle of comparison. We know that we are all viewed the same in God's eye, but sometimes we don't feel that way. We tend to view ourselves as better than and not as good as. Sometimes we have a tendency to look around the room and say, I'm better than him. I'm not as good as her. Do you struggle with that? These are some examples that, you know, we struggle with. And how do we deal with that in our daily struggle? You know, to look at our our scripture today, some of this, you know, there are some vital information here that Paul said, you know we must put off the old man and put on the new men. In in, in um, six eleven, you said, "Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the scheme of devil." In t- Ephesians six twelve, it said clearly, indicate the conflict of with Satan is spiritual. So there, therefore, no tangible weapon can be effectively deployed against him and his minion. We're not told how he's going to attack us. Do you have a list of things that he will do to you? No. The passage is quite clear that when we follow all the instric- instructions faithfully, we'll be able to stand and we'll have the victory regardless of Satan's strategy. If you look at verse 14, you have the Bible in front of you, Ephesians 6, 14. The first element of our armor is truth. It is easy to understand since Satan is said to be the father of lies. Deception is high on the list of things that God considers to be abomination, a lying tongue is one of the things that he described as detestable to him. Look at Proverbs 6, 16. We are therefore to exhaust to put on truth on our own sanctification and deliverance as well as for the benefit of those whom we witness to. Just like you wake up every morning and put your loose pants on. I know all of us, you know, have the pants bigger than our body, right? I know all the men here are just perfectly fit, you need, you need a belt, I tried to fit it in, you know. So the belt will hold true, it protects your pants from falling. In the um, commentary um, by Adams Clark, it said they, they use this word as girder, it went around the loin, the important part of men's, to serve as a brace for their armor tied to the body. In 14, we see that the breastplate of righteousness so what do you use a breastplate for? To shield the worry, you know, the um, Roman warrior of the vital organs. You know Let's say if somebody tried to strike you with a bow, an arrow, the breastplate will protect you. The righteousness is not the work of righteousness done by men. Are you or me? Rather, this is the righteousness of Christ, imputed by God and received by faith, which guard our heart against the accusation and charge of Satan, secure our innermost being from his attack. 15, we see this, the preparation of the feet of spiritual conflict. In the war, sometimes the army will place dangerous obstacles in in your path of the advancing army. The idea of preparation of the gospel of peace also as a footwear suggests that we need to advance into Satan's kingdom. Aware that there will be traps with the message of grace is so essential to winning soul to Christ. Satan has many obstacles. Place in the path to stop you. In 16, we see the shield of faith. This shield of faith is like golden shield. In Hebrew 12, 12, 12-2, it said, Christ is the author and perfecter. So Christ is our shield. In 17, you see the helmet of salvation. How many people bring your head this morning? Helmet of salvation in 17 protects the head, which is the vital, critical part of the body. We can say that is the way of thinking needs preservation. Head is the seat of the mind which when take the head is the seat of the mind, which hand has laid hold of the sure gospel of eternal life, it will not receive false doctrine. So if you have a sure hope of eternal life, you will not receive a false doctrine or give way to Satan's temptation. Is this important? You have to shield your head, your mind. An unsaved person has no hope from the blow of false doctrine because he is without the helmet of salvation. In his mind is incapable of discerning between the spiritual truth and spiritual deception. In seventeen, we see that the meaning of sword of spirit, which is the word of God, while all the other pieces in this armor serve as a protection. The sword of spirit is the only offensive weapon in the armor of God. It speaks of the holiness and the power of the word of God. A greater spiritual weapon is not conceivable. Remember when Jesus was being tempted in a desert? The word of God was always his oring power response to Satan. What a blessing that the word of God is available to us today. In 18, we're told to pray for the saint, a uh, spirit. Sorry. That is, with the mind of Christ, with his heart and his priority. In addition to wearing the full armor of God, we cannot neglect prayer. It is a means by which we draw our spiritual strength from God without prayer, without reliance upon God. Our effort at spiritual warfare are empty. The full armor of God, truth. Righteousness, the gospel, the faith, salvation, word of God, and prayer are the tools that God has given to us through which we can, be, we can be spiritually victorious over Satan, attack, and temptation. My family and I, we just came back from Hawaii about two weeks ago. Before we went, you know, we called Hawaii after we came back, we called it Hawaii. It was a second trip there. You know, the first times we, we were surprised by many things. Second times, we got accustomed to the lay of the land. So we, we were sure that we, we would fit in as, as the local, or at least I was, you know, with my body and my skin complexion. So one, um, two Fridays ago, you know we we, we were driving to Kona to do a coffee tasting from our hotel it was an hour away and um, we came upon this roadside food tent so we pulled over and we had a little um, mid-afternoon snack chicken it was called Huli chicken by Randy it was very tasty so the next day we made it in our um, scheduled to go back for, as, for lunch. So we left the hotel around 10, we stopped, and then we head down to see um, Randy. When we got there, Randy was not there. We were concerned. It turned out that Randy went surfing. So we drove an hour to down south, and there was no huli chicken. There was not even a single soul of chicken on site, no charcoal. But we had, you know, great lunch somewhere else. This reminds me of the struggle that we have in our Christian life. No matter how much you prepare or expect something, you're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against the principality. You better have your armor of God on constantly to be sure that you're protected. In Romans thirteen fourteen it said, Put on Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desire. So, brother and sister, church, when we're struggling to live life as Christ's ambassador, remember to put on Jesus Christ. Put on his love. Put on his patience. Put on his endurance. And put on his heart to follow his Father, one God. Let us pray. Father God, we give thanks for giving us your Son, Jesus Christ, to save us. May your name be above all names, Father. As we travel into the rough path of life, may we be reminded that Jesus has gone before us. May we keep our eyes on the prize and press forward. May you strengthen us, especially this church, as they do the ministry. Strengthen the member, the church leader, And most of all, Pastor Ernie. And may you keep him and his family safe from traveling back from his journey. And may you encourage and strengthen us all until we meet again. Amen.